Welcome to Taking the Pulse, a healthcare podcast. I'm Tina Emerson here with Nexon Pruitt healthcare attorney, Derek Coleman. Today, we're going to be talking about a very important topic that affects so many people's lives. Absolutely. We are so fortunate to have an opportunity to talk about cancer and those um, wonderful physicians who take care of people with cancer. We certainly are. And today we're going to be joined by Dr. Emily Talukian. She's the immediate past president of the South Carolina Oncology Society. We'll be back right after a short break on Taking the Pulse. Welcome back, everyone. With us today is Dr. Emily Talukian, a medical oncologist and hematologist at the Coastal Cancer Center and a leader in cancer care. She's the president of the Medical Society of Horry County and president of the Coastal Cancer Center. Dr. Talukian, thank you for being here with us today. Could, could you please talk a little bit about your experience as a community oncologist and how your practice functions in that area? Absolutely. Thank you guys so much for having me. I mean, I was very fortunate to join a well-established community oncology group straight out of training. Uh, the physician who founded the group had the goal of creating an oncology home for our patients, where we could provide an environment in which people can get high quality cancer care close to home in an environment where they feel comfortable. You know, we have a lot of resources available to our patients as a result to try to minimize some of the external stressors that a cancer diagnosis can bring on. When a patient's diagnosed with cancer, they often have multiple doctor's visits, you know, appointments for scans and treatments. And to try to help minimize this travel burden, we actually have four locations throughout the Grand Strand so that we can be accessible to all members of our community. And in fact, two of our locations have imaging centers, so they can not only get their treatments and see their doctor, but have their scans in the same location. And another thing that we've done to try to be more accessible is we're not only available to our patients 24-7 by phone, like a lot of practices are, but we're open seven days a week in our clinic to ensure that our patients can be seen, have their questions answered in a timely manner, and particularly when they're not feeling well. I often joke with my patients that everything happens on you know, Friday at 5 p.m., and I said, well, if it does, you know, just give us a call. We can let you know what to do over the phone that evening, and we can see you in the morning. We can get you treated in the office and avoid trips to the hospital, which really makes patients feel much more comfortable. And this, this sort of comprehensive approach to care has been tremendously helpful for our patients over the years, and particularly during the COVID-19 pandemic. Dr. Talukian, I recently read something um, that was referenced by someone that you and I know in common, that's Dr. Um, Kashat Patel that cited a statistic that said um, cancer health disparities result in 34% more preventable cancer deaths between ages 25 to 79 and resulted in excess spending of 230 billion in direct medical costs and over 1 trillion in indirect costs um, between 2003 and 2006. And a lot of that I think relates to access to care. you've already touched upon some of the things that your group does to address access to care. What is one of the benefits in providing on-site pharmacy access to your patients? Do you believe that that is essential to enhancing this great cancer health disparity that, that we're talking about? Yeah, you know, I think it's, it's a great added you know, option to any cancer clinic. We've had our on-site pharmacy since October of 2018. 
And when we opened, it was a really, really exciting new addition to our clinic. You know, more and more cancer treatments are becoming available in pill form. And mm -hmm. having a pharmacy on site is not only tremendously convenient for our patients, but it can decrease some of those barriers to our patients getting their medications. Um, you know, it can be really, really frustrating for me and also my patients if they have to wait weeks for a medication to be shipped, you know, to their home from a mail order pharmacy. And with the use of our pharmacy, when I talk to the patient about a medication that they're going to start, go over what to expect, they can stop by the pharmacy on the way out, speak with my pharmacist if they have additional questions, and often leave the office with the medication in their hands. And that's really important, particularly for patients who have, you know, uh, who live remotely, who have a long way to travel to see the doctor. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it also can be beneficial during their treatment, not only initially, but you know, a lot of times cancer treatments require dose adjustment. So they may come in with a side effect from their treatment and we say, okay, well, we're going to bring your dose down a little bit. You need a, a new dose of the pill. And oftentimes if they're getting their medication through a mail order pharmacy, they've already received three months of that medication and they've paid for that medication. Mm -hmm. And that's really not a good use of any of our resources to have them stuck with months worth of a very expensive medication that they're not going to be able to use. And you talked a lot about having people come into the office and COVID has really impacted people's ability to show up in person. And for the, for people who are medically vulnerable, how has that affected your practice to have to deal with COVID protocols with, with folks that are particularly um, immunocompromised? Yeah, so you know the, the general fear of infection throughout the pandemic has been particularly palpable in my patients, you know, many of whom are receiving life-saving you know, treatments that are concurrently putting them at a higher risk for critical illness from infection. And it was, it was very frightening for a lot of my patients. And one of the things that you learn very quickly as an oncologist is that an individual's family and friends are a very important part of their care team. You know, prior to the pandemic, I was accustomed to literally having entire rooms full of family members and friends present during visits, particularly those early visits where there's a lot of new overwhelming information being discussed. And I loved it. It, it was great. You know, I'd say the more ears, the better, you know, come on in, everybody pile in the exam room. Um, but obviously during COVID, we had to make a lot of adjustments to our daily schedules and that really changed. You know, I went from crowded in-person visits to a solitary patient sitting in front of me with a caregiver on the phone. And that's a very different experience. Um, I was actually a very early adopter of telemedicine um, and I found it to be a very helpful tool during these situations. And while it wasn't the same as you know, a big room full of people, it really wasn't a bad substitute. Uh, many of my patients really enjoyed that option. You know, they could have their family members around them, listening to the information, asking their questions. And it was a, it was, like I said, it was, just, it was a reasonable substitute. And, you know, interestingly, during the pandemic, I've actually had two very close family members diagnosed with cancer. And, you know, they each understandably wanted me to be a part of their treatment discussion with their doctors. And the fact that telemedicine had become so commonplace allowed me from you know, thousands of miles away to be present for their doctor's visits. And it, was, it was actually really cool. And I think that this new concept is gonna be able to be carried forward into the future and we'll continue to utilize it uh, to help bring you know, more family members closer together during treatments and, and really provide better care.
you know, the, the pandemic really presented a lot of challenges. I don't need to tell everybody that, but you know, that I don't think we could have predicted. And that being said, my office did not close a single day during the pandemic. We continued to care for our patients, give them their treatments, get them their CT scans, and did our best to keep them safe and healthy. And, you know, our patients felt safe and comfortable coming to our clinic for treatment. You know, they didn't want to have to go to the hospital or to another pharmacy to pick up their medications. They really didn't want the added exposure risk. And I think it, it circles back really to my group's founding principles of serving as a, a medical home for our patients. And it really translated very well during the pandemic and set us up to just provide great care for our patients during this challenging time. Dr. Talukian, you've just identified a wonderful opportunity, you know, that emerged, the use of um, telemedicine, um, it, both that you experienced personally as a loved one of folks who were diagnosed. As a provider, what are some of the opportunities and challenges that you see from the regulatory climate that all the providers in the oncology community are experiencing? I think, you know, one of our biggest challenges I've actually already mentioned a little bit, unfortunately, is, is getting our patients treated in a timely fashion. Mm -hmm. You know, for example, many insurance companies mandate the use of pharmacy benefit managers or PBMs mm -hmm. that require the use of a specialty mail order pharmacy, which often they own. And unfortunately, this can create significant treatment delays, weeks to months for our patients, and it can increase the cost of care. Um, like I mentioned before, patients end up with months of really expensive medications that they don't need. Um, another example of this is the uh, insurance required prior authorization process. It can be extremely cumbersome um, and can, with certain insurances, require multiple weeks to complete. Uh, my office employs two full-time people to obtain prior authorizations. That's all that they do. And we actually also um, employ an off-site firm that assists with attaining these approvals. Uh, and that, that's real frustrating that we have to, to go through all these, jump through all these hoops, essentially, to get our patients treatment appropriately. I can't imagine how frustrating that is when you're trying to literally save their lives and you're jumping through hoops. You have to hire people just to do that job. That's it's really frustrating. Yeah. Frustrating. It takes a lot of patience as a, as a professional to deal with that for sure. Right. And I'm going to switch gears a little bit and ask about uh, patient care as, as it regards to uh, preventative measures. Um, cancer is so often unpredictable. Um, but when you meet with patients, how do you advise them on uh, preventative measures, on how to stay healthy, diet, exercise, uh, all of the factors that that go into general wellness do you have any advice for for the general public on how to keep yourself healthy and potentially lower the risk of cancer there's several very well established modifiable risk factors for many cancers you know including uh, smoking and chewing tobacco use uh, excess weight physical inactivity uh, uv radiation exposure as it relates to skin cancer um, and diets low in fruits and vegetables and high in processed meats. And while those things are things that you can change, there are several risk factors, unfortunately, that are not modifiable. And that's why screening and early detection is so very important. You know, many people really understandably during the pandemic missed their cancer screening tests. Um, this may have been that the location where they went to get their tests previously was closed or 
you know, they couldn't get to the doctor for, for fear of infection or maybe the office was closed. Um, and as a result of this, we've actually seen a, a definite trend towards cancers presenting at later stages when they're no longer curable. You know, cancer screening tests are of paramount importance to find cancers when they're in the early stages and they're curable. Screening tests exist for multiple cancers, including breast, colon, skin, lung, cervical, and prostate. And, and I really can't emphasize enough how important these tests are in detecting cancer at its earliest and most treatable stages. And you know, if, if anyone is unsure where to go to get screening tests or how to get them ordered, you can always talk to your doctor about that. And additionally, there's a great website put together by the Community Oncology Alliance and Cancer Care called timetoscreen.org, and it can help you locate screening options uh, near you nationally. And, and what has been your role in educating the community in, in this very important screening process? I mean, there's, there are so many different cancers and different ages at which people need to be screened for these. How does your group educate the public as a, as a community oncology group to let people know that, you know, now is the time for, for you to go in for your first colonoscopy or go in for your first mammogram? At, at what point uh, does, do you make that connection with the public to let them know that, that it, they should be ready at this age? That's a really great question. And one of the things we do at every single one of our new patient visits is ask our patients if they've had their screening test done. I do this with every new patient. And often I'll ask the family members that are with them as well. You know, it's, it's a good way to, to capture people and, and get them to the right places to get these tests done. Additionally, several of us actually give community lectures uh, within Myrtle Beach to uh, spread awareness about these things. I every year give a lecture to the community about skin cancer prevention and talk about getting your screening test done, having your skin checks done, these sorts of things. Well, that is definitely a great community service. And, you know, Dr. Tulikian, you are so busy and there are so many um, demands upon your time as, as there are demands upon many physicians, but you have dedicated yourself to giving back to your community and to your profession. Why is it important um, for physicians who have so many demands on their time to get involved as leaders and as advocates for patients um, so that you are continuing to carry the banner for patient advocacy long after your clinic hours have ended? Well, you know, I've been really heavily involved in these types of organizations at the local, state, and national level. And I think they're really very important and where they excel and bring value is in helping us to combat these regulatory issues we've been discussing that can negatively impact our cancer patients. These uh, pharmacy benefit managers, these insurance barriers, these organizations that bring physicians together to help bring those issues to light in, in a really cohesive manner. You know, they also help to promote networking with physicians in our communities. And this can help us better serve our patients so we can share knowledge and problem solve together, which is really important. Well, we are grateful for all that you do. I mean, your energy is just tireless. And, you know, as someone who has lost family members um, to cancer and friends, I'm so grateful for the advancement um, of patient care that you're providing, but also for the leadership that you're providing within the medical community. So thank you so much for all that you're doing and also for taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely. And the, the work that you're doing in the community really affects 
every one of us, we all know someone and have been affected by cancer. And um, the, the work that, that you do and that your group does is absolutely life-changing for so many people. So thank you so much for being here. And we were just talking about your um, stretch of time. So thank you for eking out 20 minutes to speak with us. <laughs> we really appreciate it. And we wish you the very best there in Myrtle, Myrtle Beach. Great. Well, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here. Thank you. We'll see you next time on Taking the Pulse.